0: Hi, I'm Matt Ward, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Running Industry Podcast.
1: So if as a company you want to make sure that you extend your customer base, the best thing you can do is hire people different from you, because they will they will teach you something that you might not know yet. And I think... With, you know, like teams that might be very male dominated, having a woman in that team and listening to that woman might mean that they will learn something that they didn't know before.
0: In today's podcast we'll be focusing on two women from the running industry, both of whom work at Innovate. Britta Sendelhofer, the Marketing Manager for Austria and Germany, and Bodil Outshorn, the Footwear Product Manager. Forged in the fells and the mountains of the British Lake District, Innovate is a footwear, clothing and equipment brand for committed trail and off-road runners, fitness athletes and adventure-seeking hikers. Though both Britta and Bodil now find themselves at Innovate, they have followed different pathways to get to where they are, and it's those experiences, along with their desire to see more women working in the industry, that we'll focus on in today's podcast.
2: I think we're definitely moving in the right um, direction, especially because everybody wants to share of that women's market. For me, the blank Canvas is a great starting point because we need more visibility of women, especially sort of in performance. We've also got some amazing female athletes within Innovate, so I'm not saying we're not doing that already with Nikki Spinks, Sarah McCormack, Jasmine Paris, and now Sabrina Pace Humphreys, who sort of co-founded Black Trail Runners. We've got those women in there, we just need to make them visible.
0: thanks very much for tuning in to this week's episode you can follow us on social media at run industry and remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for now though on with the show as i speak to this week's guests britta Sendelhofer and bodil Outshawn. thank you very much for joining me britta and bodil
2: Good to speak to you, Matt.
0: And um, I should add that um, you're both sat in the same um, office or showroom at Innovate HQ. Is that right?
1: That's correct. Yes. Yes, we are in Staveley today.
0: Fantastic state. How is it up in Staveley?
1: It is a sunny day in the Lake District, which is always very rare.
0: It, I was going to say, yeah, because it's, uh, it's been a little bit uh, gloomy and damp down here in Wales where I am. But we're both in the mountains so or in the, in the nice parts of the country. So we should be happy for that, I think. Obviously, today, we've got both of you on the uh, on the call. We'll have some um, questions, obviously, that go out to both of you. But I'm going to start with Britta, if I can. Britta, warm welcome. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about your location, your home life, and how you keep fit these days and how it's been for you in this interesting year of 2020?
2: Um, hi, Matt, and thanks for having us on the podcast. Like Innovate, I'm based in the Lake District. I came here now 30 years ago, almost Almost to the month from Austria. So you can say rather than forged in the, in the, in the Lake District, I was forged in the, in the Alps. Um, I love the Lake District. So I came here and it's, it's, it's now my home. It was meant to be a year out after, after my equivalent of the A levels and I ended up staying. So just love the freedom and 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 the countryside um I don't do as much running as I used to. I had an injury in 2010 which I never quite recovered from, so I now run when I feel like it, rather having that obsession of having to run twice a day. but I do a lot of walking, a lot of hiking. I've got three border collies and do a little bit of shepherding, so mm-hmm. I'm out in the hills and on on the on the fells a lot with them
0: and twenty twenty has been interesting as as I mentioned um how have you how have you adapted to it, shall we say?
2: 2020s for me went off to quite a bad start with Brexit. Obviously, sort of as a European citizen, that sort of didn't wasn't wasn't a best start for me. That was a bit of a negative with UK signing the withdrawal agreement. From then, obviously, coronavirus has been spanning the works for everybody. Um, I was furloughed quite early on in April, and that was a real sort of knock to my self-confidence. I took that very personal when it happened. I then saw how hard my remaining colleagues had to work, and realised <laughs> I actually have to make the best of this sort of once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, mm-hmm. and did so. I mean, it was help by having amazing weather, but I lived alone, so that was quite quite a lonely a lonely time. Um, so I took on three extra border collies wow. to raise for somebody else, and spent a lot of time sitting in a field on my own with with six dogs around me. And then started up drawing again. Um, drawing's been sort of a passion since my childhood, but I've done very little since I was a student. So I started getting getting the paints and the inks out and did a lot of drawing and actually managed to sell a few few paintings as well. So it's Great. it's been a productive time.
0: So at one point you had six border collies. Have I got that right?
2: That's correct. Wow. They didn't all live at my house though, so I've got a little flat.
0: Oh, okay. And you, and also, keeping a keen eye on social media as I do, it looks like you've moved very recently to a lovely new home.
2: Yes, um, my partner and I, so obviously after lockdown, not being able to spend time together, because we've always lived separately, decided it's time to buy a house together, and by pooling our resources, we got, a. just three weeks ago, moved into a new house in Threlkeld in the Lake District, so we're now in, in real fell-running country, sort of um, actually on the route of the Bob Graham round. yeah. Hooked in between sort of uh, Cloughhead and and Blancathra.
0: heading into winter now to making a new home with you and your partner. It must it must be uh, it must be on a, You know you're on a, you're on an upward curve now. Ordeal, um over to you if we could. Again, really grateful for you uh, to join us today on the podcast. Can you do the same? Just give us a little bit of a background on your your location and your journey, I suppose, uh, to where you are today and uh, and how it's been for you uh, during these interesting few months of 2020.
1: Thanks, Matt. Um, so my journey, in some ways, is a bit similar to uh, Brita's, but I've been uh, a bit newer to the Lake District. So I moved to Kendall about two years ago in order to work for Innovate. So I came here in order to take to take the job as a footwear product manager at Innovate. I was already quite a keen runner before that, uh, living in Sheffields. And running a lot in the Peak District, which you probably can, can count a bit more as trail running because the, the hills are a little bit less steep there. Um, but now I've really fallen in love with the Lake District Fells and they're in all their beauty. And also the fact that we're a bit closer to Scotland mean, means that I get to explore those mountains uh, more often as well. So 2020 started off actually for me really well. I um, was running across the Balkans last Christmas holidays. So I started in Albania and then ran across Macedonia to northern Greece with a friend. And that was like one of the things that I loved doing most of us. So nice, um, long, adventure-filled uh, running holidays. It gave me, yeah, a very odd start to 2020, which was then subsequently followed by a lot of sitting at home i guess
0: britta was saying there that she was furloughed as coronavirus kicked in were you uh, furloughed as well
1: um i was furloughed as well because one of the other people in my team um works from the u.s so he couldn't be furloughed the same thing as britta you know like it's really hard and then when you speak to your colleagues who are still working you're like oh and now you have to work twice as hard you feel really guilty Mm mm-hmm so yeah, I've been back since July and, you know, it's it's just been really good in the last three months to um, take back your projects and make sure that your colleagues have a bit more breathing space and uh, that the workload gets redistributed again.
0: If I could just bring up as well, obviously you're a very, very keen long distance athlete. You were a finisher at last year's Dragon's Back Race.
1: Uh, yes, I was. So that fits really well with my um and my love for multi-day adventures there so the dragon's back race is a five-day stage race across wales so you start in north wales and finish in south wales so um i first heard about the dragon's back race when i moved to sheffield about six years ago and i saw it at a adventure film festival that so film about it and i was like intrigued about these people who ran for five days straight for more than a marathon each day over this like really rough terrain navigating themselves and carrying all their equipment and I was like these people are insane I could never do that I I think it just kind of stayed in my mind as like oh something I could never do and then I was like let's try it Um, so it was really satisfying to be able to uh, finish a Dragon's Back last year
0: yeah absolutely you are one of very few people out there I think and presumably you've got your little uh, ceramic dragon sat on your shelf somewhere at home definitely Give it a little polish for me. Um, Right. Britta, if we could move back over to you um, in this kind of tag team podcast we've got going on, which is great. You're the Innovate Marketing Manager for Austria and Germany. Tell us a little bit more about what that entails day to day.
2: So as the marketing manager for those, those areas, um, I link up with the retailers over in, in those countries, as well as with the sales team. So I'm a little bit the link between head office here, as well as our athletes and the media. So it's kind of getting that information across, making sure we've got the staff training. We've got the right product in those stores. We make sure they've got the assets. So there's a lot of communication, a lot of relationship building
0: and germany obviously i'm presuming as with many brands um is a big market for you
2: yes it is yeah it's 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 a fantastic opportunity and we we're very lucky in that we've got a good reputation in those countries we've got a lot of fans over there so it's it's a fun job yeah
0: and do you actually get to travel out there or is it is it generally remote kind of um, liaising and working
2: until this year, yes, there was a fair bit of travel involved. So, good chance we'd try and have that face-to-face contact with our customers, so visit retailers, see them on the ground, and find out what their situation, their needs are. Because it's without actually being there and speaking to them, it's very hard to imagine what their challenges are or how we can help them and work with them.
0: Your background prior to uh, your work at, at Innovate, well, I would think, has been uh, perfectly suited to it. Um, you've been involved in the running and fell running. Um, uh, community, and journalism for a few years prior to joining Innovate. Tell us a little bit about that journey.
2: I've been in the running industry now for some 20 years. I started in the early 2000s with a website called Willrunner.com, where I was more of the designer, but that was one of the first sort of running communities with an online forum and co- bringing together training advice and kit advice. So that was a really interesting learning experience. Again, a small team being involved in it. From there, was art director on British Runner Magazine, a magazine that no longer exists, but that, again, it's a small team who bought the magazine. And I did graphic design and production, Athletics Weekly, um, the magazine for the British Miners Club, and then moved into um, design and production as well as the editorship of the Fell Runner Magazine in 2007, I think it was.
0: That's an interesting um, one, isn't it? Because the Fell Runner Magazine obviously is something that's ingrained in that, in the fell running community. And certainly that must have been a very interesting part of your career.
2: Yeah. And it was very much a drop into the deep end till, till then I've always been sort of involved in design and production. I think there was an editor who was leaving and I just sent an email out saying, listen, if you need any help to get this, this issue out, then I'll happily help with design. And they said, oh, that sounds like a volunteer for the editorship. And very shortly thereafter I was the editor and I was the editor for the next 20, 20 issues.
0: And obviously that's a quite a, an interesting community. I would have thought that having your background and obviously living in the lakes, that was probably a nice uh, taste of what you were coming into working at one of the most prominent brands in fell running.
2: Yeah, certainly. Sort of, the, I think that knowledge of content, managing content, knowing fell running community really well, plus being a native German speaker all helped sort of to, to get me the role.
0: I would have thought with you being the um, marketing manager for Austrian Germany, I would have expected that you know your your background and your rich kind of background in journalism would be helping different areas that innovate as well.
2: Yes that's correct there would be a small team at innovate so nobody just works in their role and is it's to everything else so you get drawn into all sorts of um, projects and your opinion is heard on, on, on a variety of issues so from meetings about new categories moving into the outdoor market or planning of big campaigns big launch campaigns are certainly involved in in a lot of that especially so been one of the females in the team it's quite nice that your your opinion is quite often listened to or at least asked for
0: bodil if we can come over to you you're very much based in the product side of things at innovate um talk us through your role and your responsibilities
1: so um, as a footwear product manager, um, I actually work on the whole footwear cycle from the initial idea to the design, development, what kind of um, future shoes and innovations we will do in general, and then also then testing uh, the shoes, making sure that all of the lab tests and the field tests are passed before going into production, at which point I usually hand over to marketing and help them with uh, new facts about the shoe. So making sure that their marketing campaigns are basically factually accurate, and then they make sure that it sounds good too. What I really like about it is that it's a really varied role. So I actually come, come along to lots of the events uh, where I help out on our stall so that I get to listen and speak to um, our customers and speak to people who use our product. And hear kind of the challenges that they're facing and what they want from a shoe. And that w- then helps me think of innovative solutions to, the, to those problems or uh, issues. Um, and we can then implement that again into our uh, footwear range.
0: You must have equally just talk to Britta there about the inability, should we say, to get out there and um, and see the customers, see the industry, visit people. With that part of your role in footwear, where you you know it's intrinsic that you need to go to the community, to listen to people, to show them things, to understand what their needs are. Twenty twenty must have been a real challenge.
1: Very much so, yes, because it's those those personal interactions that you get in a, at an event where people will talk to you um, and let that almost like the things slip that, you know, they're maybe not so happy about. Whilst if you ask them to put it into writing there, then you will only get like, you know, nice positive stuff. Whilst I'm sometimes actually looking for the negative about a shoe because then I know what to improve. Um, so yes, we had a lot of events planned that I was going to go to. For example, UTMB was one of those Events that I would normally um, come along to, and then get a really large range of people from lots of different countries as well um, that I get to speak to. Um, and that's that's a challenge.
0: I would have thought that you, you'll you both be working with athletes that innovate, work with, and ambassadors. I've um, been having quite a busy year nonetheless, haven't they? People like, you know, Damo Hall, they've been having to go at these FKTs this year, haven't they? Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, it's great. I love FKTs. As a long distance runner, I've always find them this like this tiny little niche that no one really seems to care too much about. And suddenly it's all over in the spotlight. Um So Damien is one of the athletes that I know quite well on a personal level. And but, what is great still, even during the pandemic, I can just give him a call and he can tell me exactly what he wants to see in a future product. And we've been well prepared for the pandemic. So even though I you know, he's not here in the Lake District visiting our headquarters, um, we can still um, just talk over the phone in that case. And I've been doing that quite a lot lately.
0: And just for those listeners, FKT means fastest known time. Just in case you're thinking we're talking some gobbledygook it's when somebody maybe has a go at, for instance... Bob Graham round or um, the Pennine Way or even somewhere just around a bit close to home. So fastest known times. Anyway, they're really interesting. But you've been with Innovate for a couple of years now. How did you get into kind of the product engineering and uh, and that side of things? And what was your background before coming into Innovate?
1: So before coming to Innovate, I actually was in academia at the university. So I did a PhD in sports engineering, where I specifically looked at the injury risk of studded footwear, which is quite relevant to uh, Innovate in the end, because I'm working in footwear and we are quite known for our studded footwear. When moving into industry, which is what you call uh, being a company, I was able to take all of that research and analytical skills from my PhD, and then implement it into the real world, which is quite a shock, really, because the pace at industry is so different from academia. You know, at a university, it's quite normal to have a project running for two or three years and then get the answer to one question. Whilst if I... Need the answer to a question? I usually need it yesterday. uh, Whilst at a company, I find it really exciting though because it's that higher pace. I think it suits me. I want to see the um, the solutions to these problems actually being implemented into the footwear that then goes onto people's feet. It brings me a lot of joy to see some of the projects I worked on two years ago now in the market on people's uh, feet and they're running fastest known times in them, like Damien.
0: Yeah, that side of things must be really satisfying because obviously producing a shoe is, you know, something that's great when you can actually have some input into how it looks and the aesthetics and all the rest of it. But if you're coming also from the side where you're looking at the whole dynamics of the foot, how it actually adapts and all those, you know, many, many, many bones and metatarsals and everything, if you're doing that, it must make it even more satisfying when somebody puts a shoe on and goes, this feels great.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think some of the innovations that we've got coming in um, in the next year, I've really been uh, working on, you know, the 26 different bones, 34 joints. How do they work? Where does the adaptability come from? Where, what do people find comfortable? And then putting that into a shoe that just kind of combines, um, you know, comfort, adaptability, grip, um, energy saving, so that you don't use too much energy when running. So um, I find that really, really exciting. Definitely.
0: Yeah, and just touching on that, are you able to give us any scoops? You know, for the running industry podcast, something that make people might not know about that's coming out soon.
1: We do like we do have some exciting projects in the pipeline. I think um, there's some stuff which is really unexpected for us as a brand. I can tell you that we will probably be looking at expanding the use of graphene since it's a really great material for us to use and we found that it's so durable and it doesn't add to the weight of the shoe whilst normally if you want to increase the durability you're usually going to make a heavier shoe and a heavier shoe means that it's less energy efficient so um, we want to use graphene in more parts of the shoe than um, we currently do and that's about as much as I'm going to tell you.
0: That's all right. It sounds interesting. I'm sure it'll all come to light in the next um, year or so. I've also picked up within that that you are a doctor. Therefore, if you did a PhD,
1: yes. So a doctor, not in a medical sense, but in the in the scientific sense. So I did my PhD in sport engineering, which is kind of like a geeky crossover between engineering and sport. And it's a really, really great community to be, to be involved with. Almost all of the running shoes that you will. Um, Will wear or see on the market will have some sort of sports engineering in it. So basically, it's looking at your um, gear, analysing it, measuring it, and making uh, changes based on on this analysis. It's anything about like how much impact do you have as a runner? How does it then dampen? How much energy does your midsole return to you? How much grip is the outsole giving to you? Um, what type of terrain? That's that can all fall under uh, sports engineering.
0: Sounds absolutely fascinating. And, um, and I know that that's going to be obviously a big drive for many brands throughout the world over the next decade or so. Just touching on that, quite a few of the brands around the world are now looking very seriously and closely at what I will umbrella as sustainability within the running uh, industry, and especially when it comes to products and manufacturing and so forth. But you're heading up a sustainability drive for the brand in the next three or four years.
1: Yes, that's true. So um, when the brand started about 17 years ago, sustainability was already at the forefront of uh, the CEO's mind, but mainly just because it was the right thing to do um so he always wanted to use as minimal ink as possible and to make sure that we paid our um factory workers a fair living wage etc so i've been now trying to like kind of formalize this um into a sustainability uh, working group and to make sure that we push more on the innovation side in sustainability so not just do the things that you know uh, we're already doing and may, might be a little bit easier but also to be more ambitious and to make sure that we um, we make leaps rather than small small changes. I've been working with some external consultants on this, um, and also with our um, you know ambassador athlete Damien Hall, who's quite famous for being a real advocate on reducing carbon, reducing litter. You know, I find it really it works really well to talk to Damien and see what he wants to see from a brand like us, and base our strategy around that.
0: I saw yesterday, I think, on um, social media that Damon has joined in with a few other athletes in the running world where they're looking to reduce, let's say, carbon impacts and so on and so forth within the uh, the running industry. And Killian Jordan, obviously, from the Salomon brand, he also um, is joining forces with that as well. And I was talking to Mike Ambrose from um, the footwear team at Salomon a couple of weeks ago, and Mike was saying that that is obviously something that's very important to that brand. And I think just overall... When we think about the hills, the mountains, brands within the trail industry and the mountain industry and the outdoor sector, it's probably even more important for us, isn't it, in that respect, to be, you know, pardon upon trailblazing in sustainability.
1: Yes, definitely. So I think a good thing about um, the Outdoor Friendly Pledge, which is what you were uh, talking about, it's set up by the Killian Jorné Foundation, but it's not just about working with Salomon. It's um, it's really about uniting all of the outdoor um, brands together to work towards a common goal and a good the good thing about this is which probably is something that people don't really realize but if all of the brands are asking for similar things like how much carbon does this produce then our uh factories and suppliers are more likely to be able to give us this information we need to be all pushing in the same direction because otherwise the um the smaller brands won't have enough leverage almost to make changes if every brand is asking for uh, better ways to die and less pollution and solar panels on the roofs of factories it's much more likely to happen
0: i think it's great and well done to you and everybody obviously within the industry um working on that i think it's important for a industry should we say that as typically you know with people kind of using shoes for a few hundred miles and throwing them in the bin, I think the more that we can think about the manufacturing process as well and the way that we actually pull things together before they arrive on a runner's foot. I think that's even better so congratulations on that. You're listening to the running industry podcast with Britta and Bodil from Innovate. I'd also like to take this chance to point you in the direction of our patreon page. so if you want to help us along the way we'd be really grateful of any support via Patreon. Links are in the show notes and on the website at runningindustrypodcast.com. Reviews and ratings also help the podcast, so it would be amazing if you could give us a little review or a rating. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Britta, you've been in the industry for a number of years, as we've uh, discovered, and as the editor of the Fell Runner, have you seen changes in that time um, with particular reference to females in particular roles within the running industry?
2: Yeah, I think certainly the trail running or the fellow running community has always had some very strong characters, male and female, been given opportunities. Um, I was the one girl, had three brothers. So I've always been in the minority as a girl and never been aware of my gender in the in the sort of job market. It's always been a, a way of just grasping opportunities as they come along. In terms of changes, I think there's certainly more of an awareness now if there's imbalances in a company or in a certain sector whether that be event participation, whether that's sale of women's product, whether that is the number of women within a team. So I think there's certainly a, a awareness and then a concerted effort to, to at least be, be seen to do the right thing. And I think that has resulted in more women being able to prove what they can add to a team. And I think diversity just gives a better cohesion in a team gives a little bit more variety of opinions and, and is is certainly of a benefit. And that then leads to to women not being seen as just, okay, we have to give up a couple of spaces in the team for women, but they're a valued member of, of the team. I think changes to more flexible working, I mean that's rapid rapidly sort of been sped up with the pandemic. But certainly as time's gone on, working is flex more flexible in terms of hours and where people work from. There's more home working, which certainly will help some females. And there's more female role models. You know, the more women that are in the job, there's more role models, more people think, yes, I can do that too.
0: And Innovate in particular, how's the that gender balance there? Is there? Are there, are there quite a few women in, in various roles across the whole of the business?
2: There is actually, Innovate is a fantastic place for women. I mean, we've got a lot of women in key roles we've got Fran leading CrossFit we've got Helen and Neve who lead apparel and equipment there's obviously Bodil who leads footwear that's grown in recent years quite quickly i remember sitting in a in a board meeting and and Helen and myself doing a presentation on 50 50 and explaining what the benefits would be and i wouldn't be so presumptuous and say it's because of that but um with society changing, with an awareness of it all, we we have these women in in place now, and they're very successful.
0: Bodo, from your side, um, you know you've come into the business in the last couple of years. You've obviously seen that that environment, shall we say, in your background before coming into innovate, um, in the world of engineering sometimes comes across if you look at the typical engineering environment or certainly if there weren't as many females in there, but do you think that more opportunities are coming to females, you know, in, in the area that you kind of trained in as well?
1: And the area I trained in, it was still very male dominated. If you if you look at the the subject of engineering, you always have more men. And if you look, look at the subject of sport, you also usually have more men being interested in it. So if you then combine sport engineering, then you know, you will definitely have more men. That that said, I've always felt really, really welcome in this um, this sphere, and you know, really um, valued and definitely uh, respected. Actually, and I think if you look at the more core um, subjects of engineering, theoretical maths, programming, there's probably much more to do in in those subjects than um, than there was in in sports engineering. There's there's this weird sh- like. Subjective bias still that as a woman, if you present certain data, you're more likely to be um, challenged if you are uh, submitting to a journal and your name is quite strongly like quite obviously feminine which mine actually isn't you're less likely to be published but it just shows that you know there's still lots of things that we should be doing about this and I think especially in engineering we need to encourage more uh, like young girls to be studying this and making it more um, approachable to them making sure that we use language that doesn't just focus on um, getting men into these subjects so it, it can be really um subjective little things so i think there's lots and lots of stuff to do still but um i definitely have always felt really welcome in in the sports engineering world and there's been some really great men that i've met that you know are saying yes come on to the team we see the benefit in having mixed gender in here it will be better for me and it will be better for the whole team to have you on board
0: Absolutely. And would you say that within the running industry as well, um, do you think that the running industry has more scope and opportunities for women in that respect?
1: If you look at a running industry like what, what Britta was saying, is like there's definitely plenty of women working in it. But if you look at the management then, so I've been lucky enough to visit Nike headquarters, Adidas headquarters, etc., Plenty and plenty of women working there, but they don't break through the glass ceiling really. If you then look at the decision makers, so who are the CEOs, who are the managers of marketing, who are the managers of product, they are almost always. I would I would dare to say ninety percent up male, um, and that might be because you know this this wave of women coming into industry is fairly new so it's the younger people let's, you know that, that that haven't made it to the senior roles yet that um have a better balance but it might also be you know lack of role model, models or still people you know taking maternity leave or therefore not getting the same opportunities i don't i don't know i can't really say what it is but i can just say that if i look at who who is managing it is still very very male dominated and that will mean that sometimes the 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 decision on whether or not we're going to go with um you know investing specifically in you know female related products might be you know biased almost because they might not know how how necessary it is
2: so i think like it's kind of quite hard that that's not not adjusted yet I think it's also an interesting point we talked about once when we were on an ISPO trip where my colleague said so in terms of job applications if men look at job description and see they qualify for 50-60% of the requirements they will apply women need to at least fulfill 80-90% before they would even dare to send in an application whether that's a cultural thing or again we've not had the role models out there yet but there's a lot of very able women out there who don't think or don't realise how, how good and able they are.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Britta. And and we had a pre chat um the other day and we were just talking about you both use this term enriching the process, didn't you? Because surely that's as important as, you know, as somebody performing a role as for somebody performing a function within a within a company. But that enriching the process, that's so important, isn't it?
2: Yeah, certainly sort of, you know, you're not taking away by adding women into the mix, you add an extra viewpoint, an extra way of thinking, sometimes think a a little bit of sort of emotional intelligence and a little bit of good instinct, which can quite easily be dismissed as being too emotional or being irrational rather than fact based. But I think there's a lot to be said for listening to that. I think
1: generally diversity, whether or not that's a gender balance or um, a background kind of balance, um, having a very diverse friendship group means that people are more likely to be more creative or think outside of the box. And I think within a team at work, you could definitely mimic that. So uh, being challenged on your own role beliefs is really, really good for building that emotional intelligence and knowing where someone else is coming from and that will just mean that you will reach a wider audience. So if as a company you want to make sure that you extend your customer base, the best thing you can do is hire people different from you because they will they will teach you something that you might not know yet. And I think with, you know, like teams that might be very male dominated, having a woman in that team and listening to that woman might admit that they will learn something that they didn't know before. But this is, this is like, this extends to, you know, different cultures and stuff as well. It's not just a gender thing.
0: Yeah, I absolutely. could not agree more with that. And just going back to your point as well there, Baudil, about the glass ceiling, should we call it within a management? I spoke to um, Kate McKenzie from the Harrier brand last week. Um, and she stated that her way of kind of confronting that lack of opportunity within the industry that she was in, was to go off and start her own business. So in other words, be the CEO, be the most accountable person and obviously have that destiny um, you know, in their grasp, as it were. Would you agree with that?
1: Um, I definitely would agree with that because that means that there's more role models that are CEOs and therefore people are more likely to um, aspire to that. Also, someone like her is probably less likely to hire in a biased way. But then at the same time, we have a lot of big brands out there already, and they're not—they're very stable. They're—they're they're doing really well, and that they should still be um, looking at getting more women in their uh, board. Well, they will become more creative. They will get an enriched process from doing that. It is also a little bit more difficult, apparently, for women to start their own business because they're less likely to get investment from in funding. And that is that bias that I said before, when you're presenting as a woman, you're less likely to be believed or men are more easily trusted by both men and women,
0: actually. And I did have a question lined up which was if you had a blank canvas britta 30 years ago when you first started off in your uh, in your industry um and background and, and would there have been a better way of doing things or do you just think the way it's evolved is actually getting there
2: i think we're definitely moving in the right um direction especially because everybody wants to share of that women's market you know everybody wants women as customers For me, the blank canvas is a great, great actually starting point because we need more visibility of women, especially sort of in performance sport. I think it's very easy to just have the record-breaking one male. Within Innovate, Fran's done a fantastic job at CrossFit, just sort of investing in female athletes, having that visibility of the product on some really successful females, female role models. We've also got some amazing female athletes within Innovate, so I'm not saying we're not doing that already with Nikki Spinks, Sarah McCormack. Jasmine Paris, and now Sabrina Pace Humphreys, who sort of uh, co-founded Black Trail Runners. We've got those women in there. We just need to make them visible. And I think it needs a brave person who actually sort of really invests into finding out what women want and not just everybody's hurt, they shrink it and pink it. And we don't want to do that. We don't just want have access to the same stuff as men, but let's find out what women really want in terms of product, in terms of events. Let's just not be done with equality or you've got access to the same stuff. Maybe there's completely different stuff that will be successful for women and men.
0: Yeah, fascinating stuff. It really is. And definitely over the last, you know, certainly the last five or six years, I like the idea that we're just calling people athletes. You know, we don't have to differentiate and say female or a male athlete has done X. And especially in some of the events and stuff you see now where the women are genuinely competing with men, you know, they're actually finishing, especially in the longer distance stuff. I certainly like a lot of the stuff that you had there, Britta and Bodil, would you agree with, uh, with that?
1: Definitely, I think if you if you would give a, if you give me a blank canvas, I think what we should be starting to write is to be open and honest about gender differences and the benefits that both a man and a woman can bring to a company. And then I think you could see that those benefits are a bit are so complementary, and they're, they're often like a range. Obviously, there's some men that might bring quite feminine skills or typically feminine skills to the table, and there might be some women who t- bring quite Typically, male skills to the table, but I think like being really open about it might mean that um you know the, whoever is hiring would see that having a great mix of genders would be of benefit to everyone.
2: Yeah, what well, I find really sad at the moment. It's quite often, so it's a compliment for women to say, "Are oh, you just like one of the blokes, or you as good as a man?" That's meant to be a compliment rather than just being yourself and having your skills as a woman and being valued for that. And I think a lot of women try and overcompensate not be themselves by just fitting
0: in within the industry as well as in general what are your views at the moment in the way that it's as, as an industry as a, as a running industry how we actually um are moving forward whether it's in races as a brand you know this is quite a big broad question i realize that but what are your thoughts at the moment as to way the industry is going and uh, how you see it over the next i don't know three to five years
2: I think it's a fantastic chance for a company like Innovate, who is small and nimble, as we always say, to go explore different ways of working. I think you can't just carry on doing what you've always done and wait for this to be over. You need to adapt to possibly more digital working, to being more sustainable. These things will be happening at lightning speed, and those people who can be creative, can be innovative, and move quickly will be the ones that will be
0: successful. Do you see any trends as well, Britta, in terms of, let's say, the disciplines and the usage? Um, We've discussed quite a bit about, you know, people doing FKTs and that sort of thing. And do you see any new trends coming in that respect?
2: I think much wider there's a bigger awareness now of the health benefits of exercise so just away from people who consider themselves athletes everybody's realizing that time outside and exercising and how important it is and i think the market has suddenly grown exponentially because a lot more people will be wanting those trainers those hiking boots in order to get outside
0: yeah and do you see you know it's certainly your background as well britta with you know races and working at um, Lakeland trails and so forth you know I've asked this question to a few people do you see that the, the race um, landscape will be as it was and people will just be going straight back to racing or do you think there'll be some nuances and slight changes there
2: I think the fell running world in particular is, is desperate for just those small low key events to go go happen again but there's also a lot more sort of staggered starts, measured courses where you can go off and do it in your own time and FKTs. Certainly now people set some new markers, there'll be a increased awareness and an increased hunger to, to break those barriers again.
0: It'll be definitely interesting to see. And um, obviously, as you say, within the fell running community and those just simple races where people just turn up, you know, they put their number on and they race as hard as they can and then have a cup of tea and a chin wag afterwards and off they go home. All those things have been so badly missed, I think, over in the last year or so. Ordeal, from your point of view, you've come into the industry reasonably uh, recently. How do you see things over the next, or how do you like to see, see things developing over the next five years or so? So
1: I think what a trend that we've been seeing for a number of years now, if you look at what was the participation in running in nineteen seventy versus now, I had like a nice little statistics dig like digging out for a while was that um, back then the number of participants in, for example, marathon was a lot lower and now it's a lot higher. However, the average finishing time has gone down uh, has gone up. Uh, despite the advancement in, you know, shoes and all that sort of thing. So what you can kind of read from that is that there is that sport is, and running is becoming more of a, a mass participation thing. The, even doing races, there's more and more people who will be there, not for the competitive side, but for setting themselves, their own goals and um, becoming fit. And I think that's that trend is going to continue, especially with COVID. Uh, I think it's rang home to a lot of people how important being outside and exercising is for their own mental health and their own physical health. So I think, and I hope actually as well, that that trend will continue, because that's kind of why I went into sport. I wanted to help people get Um, more active and more fit and I'm really passionate about getting people outside and overcoming barriers whether it is navigation or whether it is expensive kit or whether it is you know access to the trails so you know like all of those things I think we should we should help people overcome those barriers so that they can benefit from that you know emotional and physical well-being that Outdoor exercise brings. And the other thing that I expect will happen, and and again also hope, is that sustainability will grow more and more important as people start to become more aware of climate change and the effects it's having on our daily lives. Being from the Netherlands, I think I've grown up with this sort of knowledge that if we get too much carbon in our atmosphere, we will flood. I grew up five meters below sea level. So, you know, we were in a high risk area. So, Brands will get scrutinized more and more about what what they're doing about um, climate change and what they're doing about waste um, and plastic, etc.
0: I'm aware that time's clicking on as well. And you're both two very busy people that innovate. What we normally do on the podcast is we finish off with some, let's call them the quick fires, but obviously you can expand on the answers as much as you like. Start with you, Britta. What do you see as your greatest business achievement to date?
2: That's actually really difficult. And I think it's not one single thing I've done. It's sort of the breadth of roles I've just given a a go. And that sort of overview and the contacts I made through that. So really nice overview of different parts of the industry together with some really amazing contacts in all different varieties from athlete to editors to people at brands that sort of communication and I think that's my biggest achievement because I feel like I get a good overview and I know a lot of people and that really helps in in what I do
0: yeah your network is vast as I speak to a lot of people within the industry and almost everybody knows you Britta <laughs> in a very nice way don't worry good, good, it. good. it's not not notoriety and where would you see yourself in five years Britta where do you like to be
2: sports industry is a very young industry there's always sort of let's say new blood coming in new ideas but hopefully that sort of better experience is something i can pass on and help guide new people into so i, I love working with people and having that overview maybe getting the experience and the confidence now to be able to guide some decision making or ways of thinking so and i like being that person in the background or oh, have you thought about this but how about that and yeah being been a little bit of sort of thought provoking guiding people
0: just going back to you, uh, bodil What do you see as your greatest achievement to date?
2: Um, probably uh,
1: the fact that we added a uh, we submitted a patent application which I've worked on. So that's like you know being innovate, uh, being at innovate, and the product manager, I really really enjoy working on innovative projects. And patents are like really big things. So I think like the, the patent application for me was. Definitely a really good achievement, and then also the fact that the first shoe, which I'd worked on from like the briefing and ideation stage all the way to coming to market, immediately became our best-selling shoe. We've had so many great reviews about it. Wow! um That you know that's something I've just felt really proud of.
0: Wow! Congratulations on that. That was that. Which shoe was that?
1: Um, it's the Terra Ultra G two seventy. So it's like a really nice light trail running shoe that's cushioned and adaptable and grippy and everything. So yeah, it's been, it's been a really good seller for us.
0: Fantastic. Maybe they should have called it a, uh, the Bodil.
1: Bo-Ultra. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the code name within Innovate. I don't know. And how about yourself in maybe you know, five years from now, where would you like to be? Or what would you like to be concentrating on in your working life?
1: Um, ideally, like with my background, I think it'd be, it made sense for me to work more on the innovation and research side. At the moment, I need to combine that with the rest of my footwear product manager roles. So, you know, if I could focus more on innovation and research, especially in sustainability, that would make me really, really happy.
0: Sure. And blasting through those glass ceilings.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Just a final question to both of you. Britta. Tell us something about Britta Sendelhofer that people wouldn't know.
2: Um, I was involved in the very early stages of website design. And I once with one colleague, just the two of us designed a website for the London Marathon. Wow. So there was the London Marathon website at the time. And I also designed a website for the Brownlee Brothers.
0: Did you really?
2: Along with various other athletes at the time yes it support britta
0: yeah london marathon website
2: in those days we built it all by hand and
0: i can imagine
2: (laughs) a lot more complicated than they are now
0: was there any clip art on the first london marathon website britta that's the question
2: no (laughs) 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 i've learned graphic design clip art's never been something i've been very fond of
0: I can imagine. I know loads of graphic designers. Clip art is not their friend. Should we say that's fascinating though? And the Brownie Brothers as well. They've um, they've gone on to big and bad things, haven't they? They've done amazingly well. Yeah, and
2: also started off in the in the fell running world. I mean, there's some amazing pictures of those in Yorkshire racing on the fells covered in mud. So
0: yeah, I think, and also I think Alistair was racing at the Hellbelling Triathlon not too long ago. Bodil, question to you: Tell us something about Bodil Otshawn that people might not know.
1: Uh, I think something that people don't expect is um, that I really, as a kid growing up, I didn't like walking or running at all. Because now I run really long distances, and you know I do these like big races and this and that. That you need to have been a natural athlete in order to get there. And it, I was probably about the opposite. I was pretty lazy, really. Um, I didn't like walking. My parents had to drag me out and promise me ice cream for for me to actually come. <laughs> so um, yeah, how times have changed. My dad still likes rubbing it in. <laughs> That he had to carry me quite often because I refused to walk. I just sat on the, on the trail and just didn't go
0: anywhere anymore. I don't think that's unusual.
1: Well, at least like, I want to kind of say to people, there's hope for you. If you were that kid, you can still become an ultra runner. No
0: problem. Yeah. Great. And obviously coming from the Netherlands as well, um, one of the flattest places in the world to the Lake District, slightly different terrain. So presumably you have to, you have to find your mountain legs
1: definitely i still really like uphills um even though they're hard work but when you see me run downhill you know you 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 don't really want to look at it it's not pretty but then when i have some of my dutch friends come over they really really struggle just walking downhill and i'm like oh, okay i have learned something in in the last 7 years uh in the uk but it just doesn't come natural to you if you've grown up like always walking flat and on tarmac but, you know it's it's a real skill to be able to run on trails downhill
0: yeah i know some a lot of trail runners and fair runners and i'll call them functional going down a hill so uh, i'm sure that you get there and if you've done the dragon's back come on you must be able to go down a hill
1: yeah there was some bum sliding involved i think
0: well do you know what i've had a really good time talking to you both um bodil and britta absolutely fascinating um Both of your backgrounds, slightly different, but you're going in the right direction in terms of your careers at the Innovate brand, which is doing great things um, within the running industry. I'm really grateful talking to you and it's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much, both of you.
2: Thank you very much for having us, Matt. Thank you.
0: Well, what can I say? Once again, I've been humbled by our fantastic guests on the Running Industry Podcast. A massive thanks to Bodil Outshorn and to Britta Sendelhofer, two women doing a great job in the running industry. Well, that's now nine episodes and they have absolutely flown by. And with one more episode to come in this season, I would just like to take this opportunity to really thank everybody who's subscribed and downloaded the shows up to now. I know I say it every week, but reviews and ratings really do help the podcast in gaining exposure. So it'd be great if you could give us a rating and a review. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on social media at Run Industry. So, a quick mention again that we'd be really grateful for any support via Patreon. Links are in the show notes and on the website at runningindustrypodcast.com. Keep listening, keep spreading the word, and we'll keep making the podcast. I'm Matt Ward and the Running Industry Podcast is an Amplify production. Thanks for listening, and until the next time, goodbye.